Wait, is your part roundtable, part documentary competition? Wait, what? Yeah, part roundtable, part documentary podcast with just a sprinkling of competition. There we go. Uh, uh, my name is Ellie Main, and joining me every week, me and my best friend Chelsea Harfush, we tell each other wild and crazy and interesting fun stories and sort of compete to be the most entertainingest. And that's this show. So welcome, Chelsea. It's been a minute. What went well? What well? What well? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, big time. Yeah. I'm so excited that we're recording. We're doing uh, it. Not just because I've like, you know, I miss like this opportunity to listen to myself speak for a long period of time. <laughs> I think it's important, but also like, yeah, sure. You and I have been through a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> We've like grown um, mm-hmm. emotionally, definitely physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We've um, we've harvested, uh, we've reaped, we've sown. Oh, God. Have <laughs> yeah, we, that's true. Have we reaped what we've sown? Have some, <laughs> some journeys have we been on? Yeah. What a long, strange trip it's been, you know? Classic. Yeah. And I'm also just really excited for what I have cooked up for you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You dropped me a hint about this earlier of like, I'm glad that we're doing a recording because I've had an idea like no other. And I was like, what does that mean? Let me tease real quick, like a tease to you. It's going to be a what first. And if you Ooh. could put a little sound, if you could put like a sound there, like a what first. Ba-ba-da! Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Thing. maybe like a lightning crack. Lightning crack. <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be you, you saying that. Say yes. <laughs> That's going to be very good. Uh, this is so powerful. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. Well, so in recounting the past few months of our lives, where shall we begin? Because I think to most people listening, we said, Chelsea's going to be working from abroad. And then we fell off the face of the earth. Did you say Chelsea? Because do you mean you? Because I have not been abroad. Oh, yeah, no, I did. (laughs) (laughs) You were abroad for a month, my dude. (laughs) Oh, shit, I was. Uh, I was, yeah. Because I, I have not been abroad. I was like, how dare you say I've left this country? This country of mine, this good one that's doing good stuff? This how dare really you good say one? that to me? How dare you say that to me about my good country? No. Um, yeah, no, I went I went abroad. I thought we've recorded since I came back from Mexico City, though. Possibly, but, but we I think... Not. Who's to say? Yeah, exactly. I did do that. And it changed everything, not for me personally (laughs) or for the people of Mexico who mostly just kind of continued unbothered. But in terms of like sticking to a schedule, which is something that I was like, let's be real, neither of us have ever been particularly great at. Um, I do remember when we both worked at uh, a company that really prioritized like routines and like routine building, which is very funny to think about later. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, true. Yeah. I just like I also I've been told that we're allowed to talk about our experiences at this company. One, we can talk about our experiences at the company <laughs> basically no matter what, because the company doesn't exist anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. And then two, uh, despite our like former leaders like best efforts to make it sort of appear on social media as if it might, it does not. And then two, legally we can talk about anything that we didn't like as long as we say in my <laughs> personal experience or in my mm-hmm. personal opinion. Right. Uh, okay. So, like, yeah. 
So in my personal opinion, Uh there was an an emphasis on building routines and how that was the best and potentially only way to live your life. I Um, feel like that was pretty much a cornerstone of the messaging, yeah. It was a cornerstone of the messaging. And me, with my specific type of personality disorder that I carry with me, I was like, oh, cool, I'll (laughs) never do that. Oh, brilliant. I'll never build a routine. You tell me about a routine, I'll break it. I'll break it immediately. And I mean, granted, (laughs) I was already kind of like that but like like yeah I, I don't like routine in general and i didn't before i started that job but starting that job made me like like rebellious about it where i was sure like, yeah, yeah it made you pendulum actually. swing yeah 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 so I'll never have a routine <laughs> so then i went abroad which apparently had no no impact on me at all as a person since i immediately <laughs> forgot not. about it <laughs> Uh, <laughs> did you? Um, did you go you, you didn't, Okay, but didn't you then go abroad because you started a new job and then you were like, hey, job, I'll start you, but you got to let me go abroad. And That's they were br- like, yeah. yeah, we'll do anything and for you, mom. said mommy. it exactly like that. Yeah, no, I got offered a full-time job at the place that I was contracting and I was like, wait, if I had a week before my contract ending and my new job starting, I could have like a free week of no PTO because I was going back into those shackles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you could go abroad. <laughs> yeah. So I could go abroad. Yeah. 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 So I did go abroad. Oh, yeah. I went, I went to the UK for a, a week. It was very run and gun, but it was lovely. And then we both went to a wedding in Vegas. Uh, yes. So this is where things really get hairy <laughs> for the heroes. Um, <laughs> so everything's going cool. And then we go yeah. to a wedding in Vegas, which granted, uh, very fucking fun. rocked my socks off. It Great went. wedding. Great party, good fr- good friends, good times. Just a good group, man. Just a good, just God, just a good solid group. Um, and I also <laughs> like, I love a wedding that's multiple days. Just to like warn you about my wedding, which will simply also be multiple days. Horny. Well, I think you told me that your wedding will be multiple days because it's British. Well, well, we don't have like multiple day weddings, but we have one very full day. Like we'll get Once, started like, at like eleven a.m. Yeah. It, get, it well, goes I, all day. I don't, I really liked how the wedding we went to in Vegas was like Thursday, pool party, Friday, cocktail reception, Saturday, yeah. ceremony, reception, three hours of speeches, which is maybe the one part that I might personally do differently at my wedding. Um, <laughs> but not that I didn't enjoy it, but it just was like a vibe a little bit. Um mm-hmm. And then uh, Sunday, everyone tests positive for COVID. And that's also maybe a part that I'm, I'm hoping to like not incorporate into yeah. my October 2023 wedding. But yeah, um, it didn't make my checklist. I'll be honest. But that was a really fun energy. Here's my favorite part about how everybody that went to that wedding tested positive for COVID yeah. later, including the two of us. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite part was a bunch of us were in a group chat like a huge amount of like i don't know half the half of the attending wedding was in a single group chat together (laughs) and the chat was called brides big sexy bashful of sex you can go ahead and guess who named that it was max krumke who's been on this Mm -hmm. podcast before Mm -hmm. not the most original but it's fine it's fine then that group chat after (laughs) post sunday becomes a chat where everyone's like yes i too tested positive for covid you should go get tested covid i have yeah, if you have not already been tested, please go get tested immediately. Like, oh yeah, me too. I've been staying home. I haven't been feeling great. I just got tested. I'm also positive for COVID. So yeah. then someone changed the name of the po- I think it might have also been Max, to be no, honest. No, I think it was I think it was our friend Chad. Oh, it was our friend Chad. Our friend Chad changed the name of the group to Bride's Big Sexy Bash Full of COVID. 
Yeah. And then <laughs> the bride's very, very sweet. I'm talking like one of those like human beings that is like a sunflower kind of person. Mm-hmm. The v- bride's very, very sweet um, stepmom changed the name back <laughs> to bride's <laughs> big sexy batch full of sex. And I was like, oh, it's so it's so like heartwarming to think of like the kind of like mental like arithmetic that went into that where it's like, well, I don't like to think about my baby girl having a big sexy batch full of sex, but don't call it her big sexy but bash don't full call of it full of, come on. That's full not of COVID. That's not that's not joyful. Put it put it back to sex. Come on. Put it back to sex. Come on. <laughs> So, yeah, so Ellie and I had COVID. <laughs> yeah. And it sucked. And I, well, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I kind of still have it a little bit. Um, which is funny because oh, I've even realized. That's embarrassing me, though. Oh, sure. <laughs> I've realized that people, even when you say on the phone that you have COVID, kind of like deflect from you a bit. They're like, no, don't give it to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't like it. Uh, Connor... <laughs> Connor, who, uh, spoiler alert, simply also has COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Connor, uh, Connor answered the door the other day because, like, somebody was somebody was knocking the door and they just kept knocking. And so he got, like, his N95 mask and he opened the door and he said, dude, I have COVID. And the guy was just like, <laughs> later. <laughs> and I was like, damn, this is easy. <laughs> he was like, boy. <laughs> that's, that's so good. Just What a dismissal. Hey, man, I have COVID. Get yeah, dude, out of here. I have COVID. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen for you. So we had COVID. So we had COVID. We and it made have... me so and it made me so sleepy. Yeah. It made me very sleepy too. That has been the main uh the main part of it for me is that like t- 10 minutes from now I'm going to be I'm going to be drinking coffee. When are you going to drink coffee? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, in ma'am. Like, in like 10 minutes, like 9 p.m. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I would I'm love flagging. for us to get through our mini games and then do a quick <laughs> drink break to make a drink. Okay mini games i actually don't have anything this week i just i was so concentrated on my topics do you have a fact bang or chelsea's favorite post chelsea's favorite post um kind of i will say my my fact bang isn't really a bang but it is like um in as much as like we are going to address uh, all of the horrendous things that have been happening <laughs> since the last time that we sure. uh, we recorded, um, of which there are a lot. I don't know about everyone at home listening, but I have found personally for my mental health that I want to interact with the things that are going on. I want to know more about them. I want to know how to help. But I also it's so much and it's so easy to become overwhelmed. Yes. Uh, And also like the way that terrible social media, like Twitter works means like you can be scrolling and it'll be like dog picture, dog picture, Skyrim meme. Oh, this is a dead child. And you're like, ah, and so, yeah, it's been pretty rough. It's been pretty rough. And so the way that I handle my mental health around that a little bit is trying to control where I'm interacting with those things and where I am just seeking out joy. So like I have certain like political podcasts or news organizations that I will interact with to get that information. And then if I am somewhere else, like I'm watching, you know, our flag means death or I'm, you know, on TikTok, it's not what I want to interact with. So all of that is to say, 
I could imagine for some people, maybe what is a place where they just want to have fun and they want like 45 fucking minutes where they don't have to like accidentally see dead yeah. child. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that that's totally valid. So in his, but I also thought like it would be a little bit off brand for us to like not address anything at all, especially with Uvalde being pretty close to us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and being such an enormous black hole of a fuck up. I would say my favorite post on the internet of the last week was the footage of somebody just screaming at Ted Cruz in a restaurant oh, and ruining n- ruining not only his meal, but everyone that was sitting at that fucking table with him. And I saw it on their faces because I watched that clip multiple times and mm-hmm. you could see their discomfort and i'm look i'm not saying like every single person at that table had an epiphany none of them had a fucking epiphany i'm sure that their discomfort was wow i've never done anything wrong in my life and i'm still not doing anything (laughs) wrong but i just wanted to have dinner and this is so unfair because life is unfair to me because i'm the person who's a victim in this scenario Uh and you know what i say fine if that's what i'll take fine my takeaway to that is that if you have ever been like gaslit by anybody on the internet saying well you know there's a time and place for things and it's not at dinner no, it's not. It's at dinner. This yeah. person sucks. It is partially his fault that this happened because he has taken so much money from the gun lobby Ugh, and he I has actively like blocked have. legislation. Yeah, he's actively blocked legislation that would have made it more difficult to purchase assault weapons legally, which is what this person did when they yep. went into that school. So he should never know a moment of peace for the rest of his life because those families won't. So if you see Ted Cruz or any of the rest of those fucking ghouls in the street or in a grocery store or at dinner ruin their night ruin their day ruin their moment (laughs) take all the peanut butter out of their cart and throw it on the ground like (laughs) no peanut butter for them yeah just like you know don't commit assault don't do anything that you yourself are gonna have to suffer consequences for but they are elected officials in a theoretically democratic system ruin their day just do it Please. So, so that is my 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 favorite post was somebody ruining Ted Cruz's dinner, and my call to action is if you see Ted Cruz or Kristen Cinema, who, oh God, uh, is maybe just like her like wanton cruelty is it makes me ill. Uh, I would love <laughs> to ruin Kristen Cinema's dinner personally. I would travel to Arizona just with the hope of just seeing her at a fucking sweet green or something so I could ruin her fucking day. I think she's a monster. Uh, I don't think I know this particular ghoul. Wait, personally, you know, Kristen cinema. No, I'm saying I don't think I know who that is. Oh, well, (laughs) um, Kristen cinema. No one good. No one good. I mean, we can get into this later, but like Kristen cinema is the democratic Senator from Arizona, but you'd never know it because she votes with GOP on almost everything. She, oh. along with whatever that other bullshit douchebag is, uh, who's from West Virginia, is they're the reason that we haven't ended the filibuster in the Senate. It's the reason that almost no Democratic initiatives have passed in the Senate, despite us having a majority in the Senate, because they vote with GOP because it's where they get their money. Uh, oh, but cool. Cinema. But at least the other guy whose name is fucking escaping me from West... Hold on. Senator from West Virginia. Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin 
has, uh, I don't know, the fucking common decency to pretend like, Jesus, shucks, guys, like, I really wish I could help you out there, but like, I just got to think about my constituents and a lot of them are conservative and I'm just trying to be a good representative for West Virginia, which is bullshit, but at least he <laughs> says it out loud. Kristen Cinema literally treats the whole thing like a joke. She, okay, maybe you heard about this. So before Kristen Sinema was the senator, I'm so sorry, we're really going off on a tangent. Before <laughs> she was the senator from Arizona, who was the long-standing senator from Arizona, the guy that was like a POW that didn't get to be president, McCain. John oh. McCain was the long-standing senator from uh, from Arizona, GOP senator. But mm-hmm. he very famously, if you remember... Uh, when Trump was president, they tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act and yes. everyone thought it was going to happen because the GOP had a majority. And John McCain went in very famously while he was dying of brain cancer, went into the floor to vote no on repealing it. And he saved it. I mean, not by himself, but like he was sure. a big part of why that didn't happen. Uh-huh. And the way that and that was a big famous moment in history because McCain's a very famous senator he was dying and the way that he did it was he did a thumbs down like he went up there they asked for his vote and he did a thumbs down and so uh-huh. the thumbs down kind of became iconic this is important because later Kristen Cinema became the new senator after John McCain died and the seat was vacated theoretically like I said a, a democratic senator and she showed up to a really important what was it she showed up to a really important senate vote and it might have been one of the um one of the uh supreme court confirmations and Mm. she voted against it and she did a thumbs down but she did it like in like a little curtsy she did it like a like a seven-year-old girl making fun of something she like she like went up there and was like and then like did like a little curtsy and did a little thumbs down and then bounced out. She sucks so hard. <laughs> She's so bad. Uh, she doesn't take anything seriously, but she actively stonewalls like any kind of Democratic, like to the point where I'm like, is she a plant? Like, right. Is she designed <laughs> to just upset all of us? Um, but I don't think she is. I just think that she's like, I think she is a senator for like no other reason than she likes being called a senator. I don't think she has any interest in public policy. She certainly doesn't have any interest in making anybody's life better. Uh, She just takes the money and goes to the parties and then goes home and she doesn't give a shit. And I think that's like the lowest fucking human being. She's like, I want to be a politician. At least, not all, but at least some of the Republican party members are incredibly misguided, but they think that they are creating, they are creating the world that they want to see. The world they want to see, I think is abysmal. <laughs> Even though it's terrible. Yeah. The world they want to see, I think is abysmal. Uh, but they are like, oh, I want to see this world. I'm going to work hard to build that bad world. Kristen Cinema is just like, oh, I don't care. Give me $5,000. And I'm like, you're disgusting. That is pretty despicable. So anyway, yeah, she can kick rocks. I would love to ruin her day. <laughs> Chelsea, yeah. What is the title of your topic? <laughs> uh, the what okay, first. so are you uh, the what first? <laughs> is it this is? So people won't know this when they hear them because they'll come out in successive weeks. But we're recording these episodes back to back. Uh huh. This is our first ever two part. <gasps> what 
topic. Wow. Like an actual two part following on from each other in succession. What yes. Topic? So part one will be this week's episode. And then I will queue up and tease the to be continued of part two <gasps> of next week's episode. Well, then should we just wait and do double points at the end of the episode? Uh, that's up to you. I don't want to put you at a disadvantage because I, I, it's not like we had like an agreement ahead of time that we were both going to do two parters. Mine just like there was so much I wanted to talk about that I was like, oh, this actually naturally splits into two parts. Well, clearly the points are so important, Chelsea, that I can They couldn't... are incredibly important, actually. <laughs> they actually are incredibly important. Um, no, yeah, let's do double points. I've got, I mean, at least mine are kind of on a theme, to be honest. I've got a theme going. Okay, that's a perfect. fake two part. Okay, um, cool. Well, hit me with that title. <laughs> My title is The Divided States of Snake. <laughs> the Divided... You know. Is this about Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> yes! Oh my god! <laughs> that's never... I don't know if that's ever happened. <laughs> oh my... Like, as in, like, Snake! Like him? As in, yesterday, I was trying to work, and Connor came in and was like, can I play Metal Gear Solid 2 while you work? And I said, yes. And then I started casually asking him questions about the game. Uh, it looked pretty sick. Uh, and every single thing that he told me both led to more questions and made me feel like I was having a stroke. And then I spent, I'm not Isn't kidding, several hours. Yeah, it's a Kojima joint and we're going to get into that too. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's a classic Kojima joint. Some might say the most classic. Some might say what he built his career on. And every every new thing that I learned about this uh, made me lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I think so, Miles is going to be so annoyed that he's missing this episode. Like he's not on this episode. I did think about throwing it. Because like my original question to Connor was, uh, will you be on this episode? Because I know I will get things wrong. And, and he's it like, be but very I funny. simply have COVID. <laughs> No, literally. I was like, it wouldn't it be funny if I was like trying to explain the lore and you were like, actually, that's not correct. It's, what you're going to find out is that Venomous Snake was actually Punished Snake all along. Uh-huh. And we'll get into that. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, uh, maybe. And then today I was like, hey, do you think you could do this? And he was like, I am already asleep. I'm simply because a I have COVID. Yeah. So he's been sleeping for like 16 hours. My title is called... The Night of the Living Dead. Is it about the movie The Night of the Living Dead? No, it's not. <laughs> not at all, actually. Is it about The Walking Dead, the uh, hit franchise that my company makes? Yes, you know what? I, that's what I was going to do tonight. I was just going to talk to you about your company's own show at length. Well, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's called The Walking Dead, and some say it's quite popular. I've never heard of it. Ever heard of it? Night of the Living Dead... Or actually, I should say about- the Knights of the Living Dead. Oh, shit. Okay, is this about some, like, Arthurian shit? Oh, no, not those kind of knights. Like, actual nighttime knights. I don't know why I'm giving you so much help. Anyway. It's because you feel bad because you got mine immediately. <laughs> I was like, hang on a second. You're like, I know about Snake. <laughs> if I know about Snake. I, what if I, you find out that I'm actually the biggest Metal Gear Solid nerd? I know everything there is to know. That would be really funny. I still would just be like, can we talk about, can we, can we unravel this together? Let's. Because uh, I have all my <laughs> notes. this journey. But like, I'm still confused. No, I know so, absolutely like, nothing. So I'm very excited. Oh shit. Okay. This I know that so he's called Snake. And at one point at the beginning of the game, she starts with you like crawling out of a coma. And that's literally all I know. You oh, always be crawling. And there's Let a cardboard box. Cr- 
<gasps> the cardboard box is what started me asking Connor questions because I was like, okay. <laughs> It was the how are, they, how are they not going to know that cardboard box walking up those stairs is you? And I was like, they're going to see and they're going to be like, damn, Snake is here. And he was like, Connor's actually, like, I'm not you're asking, Snake. You're asking the wrong questions. That's what it was! That's what it was! He was like, that's not Snake. That's Raiden. And I was like, who the fuck is Raiden? And he was like, oh, oh baby. You go to Big Storm. Big Storm. <laughs> So okay. if it's the night of, is it like El Dia de los Muertos? Is it like All mm-hmm. Hallows Eve? Is it like that kind of a night? It'll, that's the closest. That's the closest you've got. Is it like, is it the, I don't know what the name of it is, but I know there's a tradition in like Eastern traditions where they have, they go to the cemeteries oh. and have celebrations at the cemeteries. Uh-huh. Is that where we're, am I getting warmer? You're getting warmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warmer. Well, do you want to <laughs> warmer. warmer? I should probably cap the great Metal Gear Solid unraveling, shouldn't I? And what do you? Oh, as in like you go first, I go second, and the next time I go second, you go first. No, oh. <laughs> I go first, you go second, then you go first, I go second. That's literally exactly what I just said. You really didn't, and I have. I you recorded it. So <laughs> <I can continue. laughs> Well, that's what I, that's what I thought I said in my head. So well, that's what I thought I said. So actually I'm right. I'm back. I'm, I'm back now. I'm back and better than ever. That's not true. <laughs> oh, <Aww>. oh. <Aww. laughs> Well, are you ready to hear about the Knights of the Living Dead? Yes. Okay. So, there I was. <laughs> so that's for the personal <laughs> oh, anecdote. Miles and I have decided that we wanted to go to Indonesia on our honeymoon, which is going to be not for Aww. ages. But I got excited, so I ordered myself the old Lonely Planet, which is that travely guidebook thing, you know. Yeah. Imagine the internet, but it's books. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm like, there I am, reading all about the stuff, what we can do. I think Mars is playing a game, and I'm like, just like, oh, this is what the weather would be like. Oh, how interesting. And then I turned to like a list of things that we should do in a particular area, and it said, oh, you know what? You have to. One thing that you got to do, if you're going to Indonesia, if you're going to this specific area, you got to go and watch a Taraja funeral. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> you look like, say more. Why would I do that? Yeah. I turned to like the actual page of the thing, and then it sent me on this little rabbit hole of research and i was like this is perfect for the podcast so here we go <clears throat> the taraja people okay this is an indigenous group of people um to the south sulawesi i think i'm saying that right probably not though region of indonesia so it's like pretty much you know how indonesia is this just giant archipelago is it the biggest archipelago in the world indonesia yeah. I don't know why I said that, like, as if I would know. Like, oh, Indonesia? <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I think it is. But if you put a pin in the middle of it, this is where, this area where these, like, about, well, the numbers are into about the, hundred, the hundreds of thousands. So they're, like, more of a people than a tribe. Like, they have a whole thing going. And they live in this very mountainous, tropical, um, rainforesty type place. 
they have this really distinctive way that they build their homes. It's really, really cool. I know you like a visual aid. So if you wanted to, you, you could Google Toraja, T-O-R-A-J-A, and look at their homes. And they've got this like almost like a kind of Viking boat on stilts vibe with their okay. homes. It's very, very cool. They were... <gasps> Yeah, that's very cool. They were pretty much like um, cut off from the outside world until the when the Dutch arrived, which I think was like 1906, 1906. The Dutch came and then they were like, whoa, there's a whole group of people doing here. And so to this day, most of the Taraja people are of some kind of Christian for- faith, <laughs> some sort of Christian form, have faith of some kind of Christian faith. Uh, and then some are Muslims, but they all do have this maintaining belief that non-human things like animals and plants and even like inanimate objects still have a sort of spiritual essence. And this is still very much part of their culture. And that's what kind of like sets them apart from a lot of other places in Indonesia. And they also have this idea that their earliest ancestors were like heavenly beings who came down to earth on a divine stairway, which is pretty cool, like in Greece or something. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. So they live in these small villages that are connected by dirt roads. It's, I mean, it's all very, I don't want to say primitive because I don't mean to be, I don't mean that in a derogatory way, but just like it's a very simple way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and these little Viking boat houses are called Tonkonans. And they like totally chill with you going, people going to visit, even though to me it like very much feels like a white person going to go and stare at indigenous people, but apparently they're cool with it. And these sort of Viking boat houses that they have, uh, they function at this meeting point for nearly all aspects of Tarajan life. So they're very into like family connections is a huge thing. So they have anything from a government affair thing type thing, like a wedding, religious ceremonies, like it's all happens at this Tonkonan kind of building okay but what really sets them apart and what where the building comes into it very strongly is that they have a very very unique way of treating the dead in their culture when somebody dies they are still cared for for weeks or even years after death treated as if they were alive still they would be fed like bathed changed of clothes and their the body would just live and continue to live in quotation marks up to years it's all depending um, on like how much money you have basically okay as, as to like how long you could keep the body around uh, and they're not even described as a body they're referred to as a mula, uh, makula which just means a very ill person so they're treated like they still are alive but they are but they're sick which to us would be like the most awful gross terrible unthinkable thing yeah to just look, keep... I, look i'm waiting i know that you're gonna get there but i yeah i'm having I'm having like a reaction. Yeah, for sure. And I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is completely normal in their culture. And they actually like, they do it because they're like, we do this because we love and respect our family members so much. Right. And so even though most of them are still Christian, so like after the, but, but the time between when they die and when they are eventually buried, which I will get to, <laughs> they are read from like, the, they are read the Bible daily and the corpse is like, preserved and then sort of eventually mummified in formaldehyde and water and the biggest reason for this why they're kept around for this long and treated ill and and not like they're actually dead is because the family has to raise the suitable amount of money for their funeral and burial preparations which are huge and it is all about showing status of the family like people could go into like crippling debt to provide proper funerals for their loved ones 
like a man might even not get married because he knows that he has uh, like a family member who's going to pass away and like all a lot of his funds will have to go to that. To put this into perspective, when we're talking about like very simple living, primitive kind of people, a family with less money would pay like $50,000, like the equivalent of $50,000 for a funeral, while some That's... of the rich of, richest families can spend up to half, as much as half a million dollars. Holy shit. Uh, also, yeah. I can absolutely hear Miles, like, I don't know, having some sort of strong visceral reaction to whatever he's doing <laughs> having a connection. with his voice. And it's like, it's definitely, it's adding almost like a sound design component of like, you're talking about like these funerals, and then I just hear, oh, in the background. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I don't know, they're playing some sort of like hunting game, which mostly I just hear Miles being like, I'm dead, guys, until the next time. <laughs> well, that's fun for them. Yeah. Please, um, please. So this funeral is called the Rambo Solo, and it is a, an event that t- involves the entire village, and it usually happens in August or September, and it can take anywhere from a few days to several weeks. You said you liked a multi-day event, so <laughs> consider you know attending a funeral in the Taracha di- district. A big part of it and why it can be so expensive is that there's like you know praying and dancing and singing and mourning and sometimes like cockfights or other strange things like that but the big part of it is that a water buffalo has to be sacrificed in honor of the deceased because that would be their that's going to be their transport to move with the herd to Puya which is the land of the souls so you have to have the more water buffalo slaughtered in honor of the deceased the quicker that they will be able to get to the afterlife as these these people believe and these water buffalo cost anywhere from 10 to 40 grand so the average family can only really afford to you know just to get a couple of them it'd be like buying a brand new car and blowing it up i mean but like you're doing it i mean i'm assuming right like you know and again i think you're gonna get to this but it's just like they don't think of that as like a uh it's not wasteful like you know like you said like no yeah like it is it has the most ultimate purpose like you'd spend mm-hmm. any amount of money to do this thing absolutely if you, yeah if you saw it as that important that's like the kind of fascinating like that's the fascinating part of it to me you know because i think there's we all have things in our life that we think are worth spending money on that somebody else doesn't think is worth spending money on and sometimes that yeah. can be like very micro like within one culture where it's just like well i think you know clothes or my house is important or like well i think experiences and like yeah. you know yeah. travel is important uh and then when you when you explode it out and it goes across culture it's really interesting like you said because it's like there are some cultures that spend fifty thousand dollars on a wedding and others are like well that's stupid you have your whole life to be together now you should spend fifty thousand dollars on dying because <laughs> that's, that's the thing that we've all want. got to do and you got no control yeah, yeah well the, yeah and then like just imagine how many sort of levels of the bullshit that we think about a day do we have to remove till we get to the idea of like no no we sh- we, we, sh- we can buy and mer- buy and slaughter a hundred buffalo and so we should do that so that then my granddad can get to the to to the to the dying lands faster you know yeah exactly like what could be more important it's true so yeah families with lots of money can easily get more than a hundred buffaloes including this like prized albino water buffalo so they have like there's like you know an albino one or like a, a white buffalo that they like will walk around special and then everyone will be like oh you got the good one you got that good buffalo. So they make the buffalo fight before that they before they slaughter them. 
um, and there's like a master of ceremonies that does, you know, sort of emcees the whole thing. And then the bull heads are all uh, lined up and then the meat is divided and given out to the village to everyone to enjoy a feast uh, in honor of those who have passed away. Again, as a tourist, if you have a strong stomach, it is not uncommon for people to be invited by the family to stay for the slaughter because the presence of foreign people actually boosts the, the, the stature of the of the family within this setting, which is weird, but <laughs> it's like this real <laughs> backwards white people interested in, in tribalism things that has really worked out for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the final day of the funeral, the body is taken to its resting place, which is usually a tomb carved into a cliff or some sort of ancestral funeral tower that can be as high as 100 feet above the ground. That sounds pretty sick. Yeah, like the height of the tomb, again, like the buffalo, like the higher the tomb is, the fancier you are. But if the, the family member that dies happens to be a baby that d- died before teething, and I don't know why that's important, but they hollow out a tree and put them into the portion of this tree, and then these baby trees are believed to be the spirits of the children that grow into big trees. Which That's I think is beautiful. really sweet. The last sort of last key element of the funeral are these wooden or like bamboo effigies of the person who's passed away that are sort of placed on a balcony in front of the dead person's tomb as if to say like, this is the person inside of here. Families can either have it outside of the tomb or they can have it at their home. So like, cause like some of the really nice ones will get stolen. And so you're you fine. might think at this point that they're done, right? Like they have laid the person to I rest. Mean, what else could there possibly be? Well... In a ritual known as manene, they take the bodies out every one to three years and change their clothes and clean them off, change them any bugs, give them give them a wipe and a spray down, and they put them back. Well, because a well preserved, like the more well preserved a body is, the best that the body is holding up, if you will, um, sure. is like ha- as much as they like cared for the scared for the relative who died and so it's like a, this kind of second funeral and also let's say that you never met your granddad like no worries we can pop him out every three years and say hey that's a big part of it that's interesting you can younger generations can connect with their ancestors and continue the bond of a family lineage it's not unusual to see young Tarajans share a, a cigarette with their dead great-grandfathers or take selfies with their mummified grandmothers it's like part of their way of reminding themselves that they're part of a long line of people stretching back hundreds and hundreds of years. That is fascinating. So yeah, it's just a completely different way to embrace the idea of death than than we do. Like, I don't know, there's this like feeling I have anyway of, of like the way that we treat, especially like a corpse in Western society is like, it's definitely a thing that we has always been used to like provoke emotion in horror films and stuff. It was like something that's gross and ewy and needs to be dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. And yet in this way, it's like, no, 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 keep the body for as long as possible because it's an inevitable, it's an, an inevitable process that ties us all together. It's very interesting to when you start to consider these like completely, completely different ideas about something as seemingly final as death. They're like, nah, it's not final. They're just they're they're still here until they have a funeral. Yeah, I guess like that's the kind of the way I'm trying to relate to it is like people hand down like keepsakes or jewelry or mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. And it's supposed to be like the way that you like keep 
this thing alive or uh like you know people will talk about like family traits where it's like oh Mm -hmm. you're you're you have such wanderlust like you're just like your grandmother who you never knew but like she was also like this so there's like this implication that and here she is yeah that like and she's still here with us in this way because you're doing this thing and i yeah just like in some ways this is sort of like the most like kind of natural conclusion to Mm -hmm. this like kind of universal desire and um, to connect with ancestors. Sort of, yeah, and another sort of like, um, I don't know, side effect is the right term, but these people don't really try to keep, like to use modern medical practice to keep their family members alive if they have an illness because it's like death is nothing, death is not something to fear, but just like a very normal next step. So they would be much more concerned of raising money for a funeral than they would be to like for a surgery. That makes sense. I mean, again, it is, it is, wild in terms of like how we function with death i mean i don't know i i guess like i don't know what i would be like if i had grown up in a different kind of a culture that treated death differently than the one that i did grow up in but Mm -hmm. even i guess like having been raised like in sort of like a catholic christian vibe (laughs) um (laughs) You know, there's like, there's at the very least, like there's platitudes, right? About like, well, like they're in a better place and you'll see them again one day soon and you'll be together forever. Uh, And I never found that particularly comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, with like diminishing returns, but like, I was always like, okay, well, like my actual day to day is now different. Like, right. I could call that person and talk to them and now I cannot call them like I could spend time with them doing this thing and now I cannot do that like I cannot touch or hold them I cannot get their advice I cannot ever be surprised by them again yeah Uh, and so like I sometimes felt like this kind of over interest maybe in well there is a next step and like it'll be fine because like they're just over there they're in this other room and like at some point you're gonna go to that room too so it's fine um Mm -hmm. being like well yeah but like what about like the next 50 years Uh, (laughs) this is the part that i'm like actively upset about right now is like this right now right now yeah and so in that way i can kind of relate to this like trying to make the inevitable barrier of death feel a little bit less like a barrier and a little bit more like, yeah, they're in this other room, but there's like a window and you can see yeah. them and you can hang out with them and share like a cigarette. And you're like, uh, what's up? Kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine like get, going over to someone's house and just so passively like greeting a mummified body in the corner of like, Hey, hi, this is your grandma. I'm very respectful. <laughs> yeah. That's very She's cool. just chilling there. <laughs> so uh, way back at the beginning of you introducing this topic, you yeah. said that you were looking at stuff for you and Miles to do in Indonesia and it said you should attend a funeral. So these things are like public events. Yes. The more white people, basically the more tourists that attend one of these funerals, it's a status symbol that then oh, the, so the funeral is better. Points. Yeah. You get basically. Fame points. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's very sick. Yeah. I mean, you can go onto uh, Google and just like, there's just a bunch of people chilling with their mummified relatives. Like, Oh, what's up? Oh, that's really like it's, cool. It's pretty wild. Anyway, yeah, so that's my story. So that's your topic. Okay. That's my topic. Just, there it is. I was giving, I was trying to give you some space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do like that. Um, 
but we're doing points at the very very end right we are doing points at the very very end and just for the record i don't think we're gonna go to one of these because it's spooky to me but sure for them (laughs) Uh, but it's yeah it's nice to at least like have like the kind of cultural competency of like if you see any of that you're like oh I know what that is and what's going on yeah and not like Whoa! well are you ready to dive in on the divided states of snake or do you need a moment oh, or I'm how ready are I am I'm ready let me pull up this let me pull up my seat here I'm getting okay. get comfy. Why don't you go ahead and get comfortable? Strapped in. So as I've already kind of like teased multiple times throughout the beginning of this episode, this I really feel is like one of my topics where I am connecting to the true, most like the purest form of the thesis of this podcast that yes, you I love first it. pitched to me back in 2019, which was just like, you know, those things that you're just like, you're just waiting for the moment to talk to somebody about it because you find it out and you are like, holy shit. So, I yeah. mean, like, like this is, you know, this is video game lore. So I'm going to try to follow it as much as I kind of can. But it is like, it's really just like, this is a, like pure enthusiasm. I can't fucking believe this shit. And also like, <laughs> I I mean, like, I love Ideo Kojima. I, I think he is a genius. Like, and this is why it would have been fun to have Miles on if we had, like, thought about that ahead of time. I probably should have, like, messaged him and been like, dude, I got a dope topic. Because I know he <laughs> likes this stuff, too. Oh, so much. Which is not just that, like, like uh, Miles and I in 2020 took a video game uh, narrative class together, which was really cool. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about a lot was, like, how, you know gaming like interactive entertainment is like the wild west of narrative and storytelling and like you know i think like in the next it's already starting to get more critical acclaim and people are spending a lot of time doing like more like actual critical analysis of yeah of gaming as an art form which is great i think it's only going to continue and people are going to spend more and more time thinking of this as like a really serious art form and when they do that i think more and more people are going to start to think the thing that I think a lot of game people, people who are into video games already think, which is that Ideo Kojima is just like a fucking genius, like in the sense that <laughs> he comes up with stuff. Like he's changed, like he's changed video gaming forever in a lot of ways in terms of the actual experience of play of like how you interact in the world, which was the first thing that I started to get kind of interested in as I was watching Connor, my fiance, play Metal Gear Solid 2 on the couch. I was like, oh, I was like, this game looks old, but they're also doing like some really cool like stealth play that I've like never seen in a game even now in 2022. And he's like, yeah, you know, you do this, you do that. And this is how the evasion works. And if you like fuck this up, then like it'll send more AI and it gets progressively harder. And I'm like, oh, that's really clever. And then he starts talking about the characters. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so you know what? Actually, now in perspective, because I knew like generally that the metal... I had like the same kind of level of awareness of like the Metal Gear series that you had, which is that it's been around for a really long time. It's, you know, kind of what brought Kojima to the like forefront. Um, and right. that there's a dude named Snake or Solid Snake. Yeah, that's, which is and a badass a fucking name for a character. And then I also played around with and watched a lot of other people play and watched a lot of videos about Death Stranding. And it was Kojima's first game separate from Konami that came out in 2019 that has, I think we've talked about this before, just like the simply the best character names of all time. Like there's a character <laughs> that's just amazing. named Die Hard Man. Uh, <laughs> Die- <laughs> 
diehard man. And then what I learned is, oh, like actually the naming conventions of Death Stranding are the most conventional thing. Oh, they're the most Kojima's normal ever done. He's like the yeah. most normal. Like, yeah. because this shit's fucking bonkers. So <laughs> let me take you on a little, like, this is gonna be the briefest tour because on I think, I'm sure that if you went on YouTube, you could find somebody who knows way more, who's actually played the games. I think I've made that clear. I have not played these games. I am like an, a fan from afar. Although now uh-huh. I would like to play them now that I've read a bunch of this stuff. So this is gonna have... This is something that I think people on YouTube would hate. This is going to have massive spoilers for the entire Metal Gear franchise from someone who has not played the games. So, have so fun if that with triggers that. you. Yeah. Hashtag fake gamer girl all the way around. Um, but oh my God. Okay. So the Metal Gear franchise starts in the 80s. And okay. it's when Kojima is a game designer at Konami. Mm-hmm. And the first ones are not Metal Gear Solid. They're just Metal Gear. Metal They're called Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. But in that game, in those games, you play a character named Solid Snake. Okay. Solid Snake, and this will make a lot of sense to you if you don't already know this, Solid Snake is based on Kurt Russell's character from Escape from New York. If you've never seen that, yeah. If you've never seen that movie and you look up that character, you're like, oh, oh, like not only is he like based on him, like, it's like they they just drew that guy. They just took that guy. They just took that guy cuz I guess like you could like oh, you yeah. could do that. Yeah, it was <laughs> Japan. It was the 80s. There were no rules. Literally Ayo Kojima in what was the beginning of a uh, long history of just doing this was like, "Oh, I really liked that movie. I really liked that guy. Poink, he's mine now." He's uh, so I just snake. took him. So I took him. And he's mine now. And he's going to be Solid Snake <laughs> in my game. So Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 trace Solid Snake and Operative. Like, you know, a classic sort of like, ooh, I'm out here and I'm fighting I'm like, terrorists. I'm fighting terrorists. I'm crawling around on the floor. Like you said, that's a big part about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm fighting this guy named Big Boss. And yes, his name's <laughs> just Big Boss. <laughs> Guess what he is? He's the big boss. So his name is Big Boss. His name is Big Boss, but but is it? We'll get to that. Okay. Again, you have no idea. I'm so, so excited. So at the end of Metal Gear, Solid Snake defeats Big Boss, but there's like a cutscene because of course there's always a cutscene uh, where it's like Big Boss will return for Solid Snake. Whoa! Uh, so then 1990 comes around. Metal Gear 2 comes out. It's called Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. And you're like, oh, "Oh, great. Me and my boy Solid Snake, we're back together. And then there's a a bunch more the same. It's a stealth game. You're fighting terrorists. There's a Soviet Union, you know, because it's 1990. Of Uh, course. You defeat Big Boss for the second time. So then you're like, hell yeah. Got his ass. I got him. He's donezos. We hate him. Uh, (laughs) He's over now. Then you would think, oh, what comes next? Metal Gear 3. No. Now we start a new game. We start a new series, but it's still technically the other series. But we're just changing the naming convention in a very fast and furious way. Uh, So now the next game is called Metal Gear Solid. And that kicks off what is now like known as like the Metal Gear Solid series. So Metal Gear Solid is a direct sequel to Metal Gear 2. Okay. You are still Solid Snake. So now this is the third game. This is important. I know this seems like 
clear, like obvious. No, this is important. This mm-hmm. is the third game now where you are playing a character named Solid Snake. Okay. Same guy. You've yeah. already defeated Big Boss. We're done with Big Boss. Or so you think. Oh, no. You are doing the same kind of stuff. You're fighting. You're meeting these people. There's other people in this that will come up later. Like, like, but, and they all have like animal names, like Sniper Wolf and Revolver Ocelot and no, Psycho Mantis. That was lazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. But <laughs> it does make me, it does make me laugh because it makes me think of like, uh, how connor's middle name is pistol and Mm -hmm. all of our friends make fun of him and we're like oh it was like gun rifle shay taken and it's like yeah it's funny yeah actually uh so yeah revolver ocelot (laughs) is uh also a guy that we don't like okay Um, but here's uh where things get complicated or they start so (laughs) solid snake starts to fight someone that uh he calls liquid snake oh Okay. And in the final fight with Liquid Snake, he learns what he has always suspected. And he's always <laughs> suspected this. And he's actually uh, always suspected is, it. Is that Liquid Snake is his twin brother. So oh, now you no. have Solid Snake and you have Liquid Snake and they are twin brothers. But they're on Perfect. opposite sides of the fight. Liquid Snake is bad. Oh. Solid Snake is good. No. So that's Metal Gear Solid, the third game. Mm-hmm. Now... We go to Metal Gear Solid 2. And this is where I came into the story, so you can imagine my confusion. But (laughs) Metal Gear Solid 2 also has a classic Kojima moment because at this point, this is the fourth game about Solid Snake, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, at this point, he is is as established as, like, you know, Dominic Toretto in the Fast and Furious movies or, you know, like... Sure, yeah, he's our guy. He's our guy, right? Wrong! Because the way this game works is you're a child in uh, 2001. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. You're like, oh my God, a new Metal Gear Solid game came out. I can't wait to play Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, so I can be my favorite guy, Solid Snake. And then you start up the game and you are treated to a mission where you're Solid Snake and you're like you know hell, you're infiltrating yeah. the secret base and you're getting the guys Doing and you're like thing. hell yeah and then the game goes Sweet! uh and solid snake disappears and for the rest of the game you play some other little twink named raiden <laughs> just the okay. whole time and but here's the best part <laughs> okay here's the best part <laughs> okay i'm uh-huh. sorry i'm really no. sorry okay so you, you start playing this character named Raiden after mm-hmm. you've had this one mission with Solid Snake. And then your best friend Solid Snake is gone. Now you are Raiden. He has bleach blonde hair. He has like a BBL body, which you get to see a lot because he's in a little black cat suit and he crawls around on the floor. He's got a real shiny ass. Uh, <laughs> he has a bunch of like kind of like eye in the sky type people who are helping him on the missions that you're playing. Uh, He has his girlfriend. He has his commanding officer. And he also has another lieutenant named Lieutenant Iroquois Pliskin. Okay. Iroquois Pliskin. Iroquois Pliskin. And now here's some, here's a couple really funny things about Iroquois Pliskin. Iroquois Pliskin looks identical to Solid Snake. And oh. Iroquois Pliskin uses the same very distinctive voice actor as Solid Snake. But it's not Solid Snake. It's Iroquois Pliskin. 
So don't get confused. So please don't. Now, now, come on. Don't get confused now. Please don't get confused. So <laughs> so you're riding, you're a little twink, you're running around, you're doing all the stuff, <laughs> you do the whole, you as this, you as this person could not be, you have now, you have gotten kajima and you have to play this whole game as this guy that you've never met before <laughs> named Raiden. You're just doing this shit. You're like, fine. And then Iroquois Pliskin's like, you're doing a great job. And it's like, uh, okay, thanks. Um, hey, by the way, are you Solid Slake? And then Iroquois Pliskin's like, no. And then at the very end of the game, he's like, guess what? It's me, Solid Snake. It was me the whole time. What? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you're trying to tell me that Iroquois Pliskin was his cover name? Yeah. And then and they didn't change his like care his like avatar or anything at all. It just is That's him. Incredible. Oh, but no, it gets better. My name is Iroquois Pliskin. So the reason that Solid Snake was there, kind of helping, uh, Raiden, is because the big bad in Metal Gear Solid Two is Liquid Snake. Now remember, we met uh, Liquid oh, Snake yeah. in the game before, and he is Solid Snake's twin brother, Liquid Snake. That's uh, right. And they are on a mission to destroy the president. Of course, then it's guess always what? the president. No, but hold on. <laughs> the president is actually Solid Snake and Liquid Snake's third secret brother all along. Oh my God. And what? So if you have Solid Snake and you have Liquid Snake, guess what the third brother's Death name snake. is? Snake. You would think, but you'd be wrong. It's Solid Dust Snake. <laughs> Couldn't tell okay. you why. Could solid not tell dust? Solid dust. So S-O-L-I-D-U-S. Solidus snake. Oh, okay. Solidus snake. Sure. Solidus snake. So you have solid snake, you have liquid snake, and you have solidus snake. Naturally. Anyone could have come to that conclusion just immediately on their own. Okay, sure. Sure. So at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2, like I said, you've got Solid Snake, he's doing great. Raiden and Solid Snake defeat Solidus Snake. Get rid of him. We're, he's over. We hate him. He's We're done. done He'll never him. be president again. And they defeat Liquid Snake. Uh, Perfect. That's and you're all like, the bad wow, guys. this is great. And then after that, Raiden, we're done with him. We hate him. He's over. He's canceled. We don't okay. ever see him again. He was literally just here for this one game. Like, so okay. all the Metal Gear Solid, all the Metal Gear and all the Metal Gear Solid games again, are ever? all about Snake, except for Metal Gear Solid 2, where you're this little twink named Raiden. Okay. We're done with him. Now let's talk about Metal Gear Solid 3. Now you might guess that Metal Gear Solid 3 continues the saga of Solid Snake with all Surely. these brothers running around. You'd be so wrong. Okay. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid but... 3, also titled Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, Uh-oh. is a prequel and it oh. takes place in the 60s. Whoa. But you might, you might be thinking to yourself, well, wait, these games... We're like near future alternate history. So like, for example, Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 2 came out in 2001. It takes place in like 2007, 2008. So how could it be a prequel about Solid Snake in the 60s? Because he would be at best like four years old. Yes. Well, Surely. let me tell you something. <laughs> uh-huh. So Metal Gear Solid 3 is not about Solid Snake. It's about a character named Naked Snake. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. 
So naked. So you're following Naked Snake around. He is he's doing like jungle warfare. Uh, I will sure. say I really, really, really want to play this game because I've heard like people like say like it's one of the best like video games of all time I've ever made. It's from 2004. Um, it's been remastered a bunch. And Snake Eater, you are fighting like uh like Soviet like 60s Soviet era guys, which I think I've talked about this before, like one of my favorite games of all time is the No One Lives Forever series mm-hmm. with that the British spy in the 60s and you fight a lot of Soviet. Like they have like, they're just like doing like this really fun kind of like Cold War espionage thing. And I think Metal Gear Solid is like Cold War espionage meets like Rambo. And I, yes. it's very fun. But you are this guy named Naked Snake. And here's the thing. You're not Solid Snake. And that's clear. No. That's clear, yeah. not just from like the story that it's telling you, but also the fact that uh, it's the fucking sixties. But you you still kind of look exactly like Kurt <laughs> Russell <laughs> in Escape from New York. Okay, uh, which is to say that you look exactly like Solid Snake, and uh, you are voiced by the same voice actor David Hayter, who has played Solid Snake and also oh Lieutenant Iroquois Pliskin <laughs> in Metal <Belcher laughs> Solid Two. Uh, and so, you know, you might be playing this game kind of thinking, huh, 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 what's going on with this naked snake? Now, check this shit out. Uh Uh-huh. Turns out that naked snake is the father of solid snake and liquid snake. Okay. But not only, but not as he, he's not their father in the traditional why. Oh, Uh, gosh. (laughs) Because Naked Snake was such an incredible soldier, they took his cells and like his genes and they genetically cloned him to create, yeah, to create these like sons. Uh, And so that is actually, so they're explaining through this story why Liquid Snake turned evil because Liquid Snake thought that Solid Snake got all the best genes from naked snake and that liquid wow. snake was like the inferior clone but it turns out according to Hideo Kojima actually liquid snake was the better clone and Whoa. that's like the tr- that's the tragic like that's the <sighs> tragedy of it right is like liquid snake did all this because he thought that he was inferior but he was actually the better wow. clone and oh, then solid there's a lesson S- in there another yes. lesson in there for all of us right solid S snake is just a third there's a third brother, so he's not identical like the other two, which is why he got to pretend to be the president and nobody noticed because the president <laughs> did not look like Kurt Russell in Escape from New York. Uh, otherwise, that would have been too obvious, right? Like that would have been right, that would have been yeah. stupid. You can't just be the president if you look the same. If you yeah, if you look like Solid Snake, so he's he's also one of the clones. They called them Les Enfants Terribles, the terrible okay. children. Sure, sure. Uh, but he doesn't look like them. That is how Naked Snake now fits into this continuity. Because the actual real meta story here, in case you couldn't <clears> guess, <throat> is that Hideo Kojima was like, wouldn't it be sick if we did a prequel and it was in the 60s? And they were like, but Hideo Kojima, if we do that, it can't be Solid Snake because he would be like a child at the time. And he was like, no, I've got this all figured out. It's <laughs> Naked Snake. And then to, to prove that hashtag not a retcon, hashtag a reveal... Don't ever call it a retcon. It's just a reveal. Uh-huh. The end of Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, is... Uh, <laughs> like, remember, I told you this is a prequel, right? To oh, all yeah. the other games. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm still following you. Okay, good. Naked Snake gets back to the US. 
all this shit happens that I do not have the time to go into, but like he's uh-huh. got a he's got to fight like people he loves. He's got to deal with betrayals. He's got to stop a nuclear attack. He does all of it, but he loses the woman that he loves, and um. he's all demoralized. And uh, at the end of the game, President Lyndon B. Johnson uh, uh-huh. <laughs> awards Naked Snake the title of Big Boss. <gasps> That's right. Solid Snake and Liquid Snake and Solid Snake's father is Naked Snake, who became Big Boss, who then Solid Snake had to defeat in the first two games. Wow. It all comes together. It all came full circle. It all came real circle, but it's not done yet. (laughs) So remember when I told you that at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2, Raiden Edition, Solid Snake (laughs) defeats... His twin brother, Liquid Snake. You did tell me that, yeah. Okay, so now we get to Metal Gear Solid 4, which is a direct uh, sequel to Metal Gear Solid 2, Raiden Edition. So now we have Solid Snake. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're back in. So that just happened. Raiden was there, and now he's done. Solid Snake revealed himself to be Iroquois Pliskin and and (laughs) defeated his two evil brothers, the president, Solid Snake, and Liquid Snake. But Mm -hmm. Liquid Snake, one part of him survived, and it was his arm. And Uh, then it turns uh. out that his arm got grafted onto one of his henchmen, Ocelot. Remember Ocelot? I do remember Ocelot. Ocelot Revolver Ocelot, no? Revolver Ocelot. So Ocelot gets Liquid Snake's arm. And Liquid Snake's arm, because it has these, like, incredible genes from being cloned from Naked Snake. Uh Uh-huh. it starts to take over Ocelot and Ocelot starts to exhibit the abilities and mannerisms and memories. And he's possessed by the arm of liquid snake. So naturally (laughs) he starts going by, yes, obviously liquid Ocelot. So, okay. Metal Gear Solid four is about solid snake fighting liquid Ocelot, but Oh wait, it's not really solid snake because also because of all the genetic modifications they've been doing solid snake has prematurely aged and become old. So now he's called old snake. Oh, okay. So So, solid snake is now, Oh God is is now old snake. Yeah. And it's not because he got old, like don't get it twisted. That would be ridiculous. It's because he's prematurely aging and now he is old snake. Correct. Okay. So that is metal gear solid four. Liquid Ocelot versus Solid Snake, a.k.a. Old Snake. So then you get to Metal Gear Solid 5, and it is called Metal Gear Solid 5. So you might, and you will look at like the the art and everything for it and say, oh, the art for this is Old Snake. No. Okay. That's incorrect. Uh, Because Metal Gear Solid 5 is not a sequel to Metal Gear Solid 4. It is a sequel to Metal Gear Solid 3, which, as you remember, was a prequel. So we're now back with Solid Snake, Liquid Snake, and Big Boss Naked Snake? So remember, Metal Gear Solid 3 is about is about Naked Snake, a.k.a. Big Boss, right? Yeah, yeah. So Metal Gear Solid 5, which is a direct sequel to that game, is about that character? Yeah. You think, but actually it's about a new character named Venom Snake, a.k.a. Punished Snake. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. And I know that, and that could be confusing, but let me break it down for you. This is really complicated. Wait, is this another clone? No, it's better. Oh, okay. So Metal Gear Solid 5 is the one that came out most recently in like 2014, 2015. The other thing I like about this, and Connor tried to explain it to me, and I was like, stop, King, I will never understand, uh, (laughs) is that 
if you look at like the continuity of games um like yeah. if, you know like if you're on like wikipedia or whatever and you're looking at all the games first of all i'm only talking about the games that are in the main series of course in between each of these a billion other games came out that would just be called like that would be like a one-off right uh-huh. um so like metal gear solid 4 comes out i think in like 2010 and then in 2015 metal gear solid 5 comes out but there's two of them there's metal gear solid 5 ground zeros and metal gear solid 5 phantom pain uh, uh and i was like just, connor why are two yeah i was like connor why are there two metal gear solid fives and he's like well the first one's not really a game it's like a prologue and i was like well, what do you mean it's not really a game and he's like well because like it's like a prologue to what happens in metal gear solid five and i was like okay but like can you play it and he's like yeah and i'm like is it longer than like 30 minutes and he's like yeah and i'm like so you could say theoretically that it is a game (laughs) and he's like yeah but i mean like it's like it's a direct prologue to what happens in phantom pain and i'm like but it was sold separately it has a different name and it's a it's a different thing that you do and he's like yes (laughs) correct and i'm like what is going on (laughs) So, but the real true Metal Gear Solid 5 is Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, where you are, you think, based on, like, the way the game starts and all of the artwork and the fact that you look like this old snake, that you are the older version of Naked Snake, of this father character that will eventually Mm -hmm. become Big Boss. So if you're trying to think about this in terms of years, the original Solid Snake versus Big Boss fights that happened that started it all, those happened in the 80s, right? Remember those those, when those games came out? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Happened in the 80s. Then you go back to the 60s, so 20 years before, and you see the origin of naked snake where he becomes big boss at the end of the game. And then metal gear solid five, both of them take place in like the seventies to early eighties. So now this is in between, this is in between naked snakes, like origin story Uh and the original events of the series. So you think that you are big boss, naked snake going through this game and you're just a little bit older, but (laughs) when you get through the game, you learn (laughs) That you are not Naked Snake. You are actually Punish Snake, a.k.a. Venom Snake. And that character, uh, it's teased throughout the whole story, and it's revealed that he was a combat medic who Uh underwent facial reconstruction and subliminal brainwashing so that he could serve as Big Boss's body double. So you are just a different guy who decided to kind of like become identical to Big Boss. You're not one of these clones. You're not a clone. You're not a brother. You're not Naked Snake. You are you are a dude who is the body double of Big Boss, aka Naked Snake. Okay, I'm okay. I'm back with you. Get with me because this is when it gets buck wild. So, like I said, Metal Gear Solid Five, both of them came out in 2015. What else happened in 2015? Ooh, in 2015 is when the relationship between Hideo Kojima now really assuming just all of his powers and uh, <laughs> and Konami. This is when this relationship falls apart. All the while in the mean in the in the background of this like his, like this fucking ascent of Metal Gear Solid as like a triple A property, gr- some of the greatest games of all time, you know, universally loved. They're making a lot of money for Konami. So Konami basically creates a studio within Konami that is Kojima Studios, where Kojima gets to build his own team and do the Metal Gear Solid games. 
basically unbothered. Okay. Uh, Kojima, like any other genius, is insane and, you know, spends too much money and takes too much time doing things. Uh, and he he has several kind of high profile um, arguments with Konami leadership that lead to a split. Now, this comes on the heels of a couple other things that I think are really important for context. One, Konami is well known in the video game industry as being a fucking terrible place to work. And look, you and I have worked at terrible places, but like the shit I read about Konami is bonkers. Like, uh, oh yeah. Like as in, if you try to get another job after you leave Konami, they will contact those companies and threaten to sue them into bankruptcy if they hire you. Like they are so petulant. They're petulant in a way that like is difficult to like conceptualize. Um, I also read reports of them like going out of their way to destroy like the companies that like former employees tried to start after they left Konami. Wow. That's some like Scientology shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. If an ex, like a quote from a former employee said, if an ex Konami employee is interviewed by the media, the company will send that person a letter through a legal representative uh, saying that they'll take them to court. Uh, Damn. Yeah, yeah. So um, they are also like the weirdest one, but it's like the, maybe the most common and most well documented is if you work for Konami, you're not allowed to. Obviously, like, you're not allowed to talk about like what you worked on. Like that's pretty common in the industry. But you're not sure. allowed to say that you worked at Konami. So like your resume will just have a gap in it. And if you tell that company that that was when you worked for Konami, they might come after you, or they'll tell the com- they'll come after the company. So the company doesn't want to hear that you worked for Konami. So it's like that is this- so weird. So that's the culture around Konami in Japan. So. Granted, I don't think that Hideo Kojima is probably a very easy person to like manage because he is very creative and by all like accounts, very kind of has his own idiosyncrasies in the way that he works. But I also, yeah. I don't think that Konami is like the good guy in this scenario by any means. So sure. <laughs> also simultaneously, while Kojima is developing Metal Gear Solid Five for konami which obviously they're very excited about it's a huge property franchise for them he is developing another game for konami on based on their other really big franchise silent hill now you're you might remember this eleanor because it's big in our friend group they were supposed to be a 2015 silent hill game called silent hills it was going to be a kojima game it was going to be written and directed by guillermo del toro and it was going to be starring norman reedus and they put Uh, out a playable trailer called pt on playstation oh that's right yes So Kojima is working on these two huge, big profile projects for Konami. Meanwhile, the relationship sours to the point where Kojima leaves. And Kojima leaving, saying he's going to start his own company and take all of his his best talent with him, leads to... And granted, a lot of this is like secrecy. I mean, this is... When I say leads to like this is the speculation on the internet nobody knows Uh for sure uh it leads to konami doing such an intense internal restructuring that they leave console games altogether and say that they are only going to focus on mobile games and slot machines from now on and they will not make console games anymore and this all happens in 2015 around the release of phantom pain so this leads to a couple things happening with the release of Phantom Pain. One, 
things become so divisive between Konami and Kojima that when Phantom Pain wins uh, for best action adventure game at the Game Awards in 2015, Konami... Uh, bars Kojima from accepting the award because they're like, well, this isn't a Kojima game. This is a Konami game and you don't work for us anymore. So even though he made that game and it's his franchise that he had been making for what, like 30 years, he, uh, he is not allowed to receive that game. And it's like a big fucking moment. So Kiefer Sutherland accepts the reward on Kojima's behalf and the entire audience boos when the, uh, not, they don't boo Kiefer Sutherland, but they boo when the host of the game awards announces that Kojima has been barred from, from entering the premises basically. That's wild. And it was several, it was like four or five days after that, that like Kojima announced that he was going to make Kojima studios and they're going to do their own thing. But the part that sucks about that is that technically Metal Gear Solid is Konami property. It's not Kojima's property. So there will never be another Metal Gear Solid game. I mean, the only way there could be is if for some reason, Konami, for no reason at all, uh, just decided to give Kojima the IP. The rights back? The rights, which why would they ever do that? They hate him and it's a very profitable thing. Uh, So they might make... They might make their own, but it's unlikely because they don't really make console games anymore. And also, I think even they have to know that that would be really, really poorly received because... You don't want to play the next Metal Gear mobile game? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they might do that. I think there's Metal Gear slot machines. Uh, (laughs) I bet there is. Most likely. But this also means that Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain is an unfinished game and it has no ending. Oh, Really? So people, that's like, people love this game in terms of like, it's so fun. The design is incredible. The levels are incredible. Um, the narrative is really cool in that insane, twisty Kojima way. But what they do, but it's also, it's like in chapters. And yeah. the final chapter just doesn't seem to be there. And there's like, there's no like, there's no resolution to the story. Leading people to believe that there was actually a final chapter that was supposed to be finished and it didn't get done because of the tensions between Konami and Kojima. So they just left it off. And so that, and then, but yeah, but like Konami wasn't going to leave that money on the table. So they just released the game basically unfinished. Wow. Or did they? <gasps> and that is part two of my divided states of stake oh to be heard God. next week. That's an amazing cliffhanger. So now you know about all the different snakes. Let's say them together. There's solid snake. Solid snake. Liquid snake. Snake. Solidus snake. Thank you. Now Naked snake. Naked snake, a.k.a. Big Boss. A.k.a. Big Boss. Thank you. And there's one more, but he has two names. There's liquid ocelot. Yeah, but he's, he's, that's just liquid snake's arm. Like, come on. Old okay. Snake. Let's not forget about Old Snake. And then there's and then Venom, Venom Snake, snake AKA... AKA Punished Snake. Yeah, because he got so punished. He got so punished. He just carries that as his name. <laughs> I'm punished. Uh, so that is queen. so that's part one of the Divided States of Snake. Tune in next week for the thrilling conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> or is it? No, it will be. Or, it. it will be. And then the well, let's just let's just end it there so people can get to the next episode. Ha ha. Hell yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of What? And if you enjoyed it, please uh, share it with other people. I don't know. Do whatever you want, to be honest. Um, 
and uh, catch the next episode of what? And in the meantime, I don't know, maybe go learn something. And if you can't learn anything, the next best thing is to go ruin a senator's day. Yes, amen to that. Amen.